to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to episode 39 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Good. <laughs> Enjoying the summer heat. How about you? Are you? Yeah. I. You know, uh, it has been so muggy here. I sent Jen a copy of my weather yesterday and it was like 94% humidity. And um, I've determined that Jen might, might be a little special. <laughs> she likes it humid. People. I do. Well, see, it's where I grew up, you know. <laughs> I was born right here in Augusta, Georgia. We're on well, a river. It's very humid. It's hot. It's super humid in Kansas City, but not so oppressive that you can't step out the door. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why I swam swim team in high school. I don't like to sweat. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind. I got a little glistening going on now, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> with with sweating, though, on the subject, I've been really remiss in working out. I used to work out all the time. I need to employ the tips I learned from James Clare when we did episode three of this podcast yeah. on atomic habits. I'm really trying to get back into my exercise routine. I have fallen way, way off course. And I just realized I feel better mentally. I sleep better. And so that's my new focus. My husband has a new job. Yeah, I'm actually, that's really good. So, I'm spending more time on my Bellicon lately. I bounced on it for a long time last night. Someone was asking about it. I mean, I've, I've always gotten on and off, but someone was asking about it in the Delay Not Deny Social Network. And, and then someone else said, I can't jump on like that because I leak. You know, ladies, oh, everybody well. knows what I'm talking about. The person who said it. And I'm like, well, you know what? I don't. And I think it's because I jump on it. Like mm -hmm. I can remember, I think it really strengthens the pelvic floor, but it feels so good to jump. It does. And bounce yes. and bounce and bounce. And so I'm like, all right. I, I was more inspired. I'm like, you know, I've got this pelvic floor strength. I'm going to keep yeah. it up. By and I used to be so intentional about using it every day. It was like I had to right. jump 30 minutes, whether it was like 10, 10 and 10 or 15 and 15. That was just my thing. I just did it every day without fail. And then it just got to the point where it like fell out of my routine. I got really sick a year and a half ago and I just never got back. Oh, you into, never picked it back up. No. And like I'll jump occasionally if I'm stressed out, I'll go jump or whatever. Well, in the last few days I've made it I've been really intentional about getting on it and rebounding. And let me tell you, I am out of shape. And <laughs> I'm wanting to get my rower back out and get using it. And I thought, gosh, I need to just do a month of rebounding and get my lung function back and right, right. And all that. So I'm starting small and I'm gonna build some consistency. James Clare will be proud of me. Very good. And it's it's you know it's fun. It is fun. 
That's the thing. I watch TV while I'm jumping. Oh, I just turn on music or a podcast and Mm -hmm. just go into my own world and jump away. So, and I always feel better. That's the thing is after you start working out, you may not want to get up off the couch and do it. But once you start doing it, I've never had a workout that I regretted. Right. Like I always feel better halfway through it and when I'm done than before I started. So that's very true. A hundred percent. Well, each week we start our show with our good news segment. And today we have a shout out from Stacy in California for her son, Jeremy. And she wrote, I have six beautiful children. My youngest two have autism. One of them is severely affected. I was married for 26 years to their dad, and it wasn't a great marriage, but I had my lovely kids and we made the best of it. My oldest son has always been my right hand and a father figure to his siblings. When my ex left the marriage 10 years ago, my son Jeremy was there to help as usual. A few years ago, he moved back home with me as he saw me struggling to deal with the difficulties of autism alone. Jeremy selflessly gives and spends all of his free time helping me and his brothers. He also has become my travel buddy. As a busy mom, I always assumed I would never get to travel much. But in the last few years, we've been to Hawaii, Nashville, New York, London, and Paris. On top of everything else he does, he pays for all of our travel. I am beyond thankful for all of my children, but Jeremy has altered his whole life to help, and I am so very thankful and humbled by him. It's wonderful to have such a good relationship with an adult child. It really is. And what yeah. a what a great man that he has dedicated his life really to helping his family like that. I love that. Yeah. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. I really enjoy alternating my Sun Basket Fresh and Ready meals with Hungry Root Food Delivery on the weeks that I'm home more and I have access to my stovetop. The meals are healthy, super fast, and easy to prepare, and they have zero prep. Everything is prepped for you. Cleanup is a cinch. Most meals can be prepared in one skillet, which I love. Uh, Each recipe makes enough for two meals, so I can either share with my husband if he's feeling adventurous, or I can save it for another meal later in the week. I love their grass-fed meatballs combined with bell pepper and onion saute, and a superfoods tomato sauce over either chickpea pasta or a seven-grain blend. And their Thai peanut sauce and hot smoked roasted salmon are both amazing. If you want to cook healthy meals, but you lack inspiration or don't have access to healthy specialty sauces, that's my favorite thing about Hungry Root. They have amazing sauces. Uh, You may really like Hungry Root. You can visit lifelessonscommunity.com, go to the Shop With Us tab, and click on the Hungry Root link to save $50 on your first week's groceries. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk with Claude Larson, an educator and author. She holds two core beliefs about education and life. First, education can give anyone, despite their circumstances, power to direct their future. And second, well-developed life habits have the power to give each day more value. After spending 25 years in the classroom, she's created a lesson plan to help teenagers develop strong habits to support better social skills, work ethic, and the ability to achieve personal success. Today, she joins us to share what she has observed the book she has written on the subject, and the awareness that she would like to raise about these topics. 
And she would like to share what parents and society as a whole can do to help kids today become successful adults tomorrow. Welcome, Claude. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, tell us, just give us a little of your background and tell us what led you to write this book. Sure. So my background is in education. I, over the course of more than three decades, I was in the classroom taking a few years off to raise kids, but recently retired mercifully before the pandemic year. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, I think about teachers all the time and oh, what a what a stressful two years now it's been. I, I had survivor guilt for a long time. Me too. Time. Like I yeah. got out and oh my gosh. And I, I just felt bad for them every day. And I'll tell you, I, I ran some workshops online for teens based on the book that I'm going to talk about in a little while. And staring at the screen with little gray boxes with initials or a name in it, after an hour, hour and a half, I was like, I don't know how my colleagues are doing this all day. It was it was just emotionally draining because there was no give back. Like you you know, that's the whole dynamic of the classroom. Like I feel your energy, you feel my energy. There's this interaction. It grows. Absolutely. And it was yeah, like, I nailed it. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, you're pouring it into a funnel and the funnel drains into like the ocean. Cause you'd, it's like, you are not collecting anything back. You have no feedback from them. If they're None. hearing you, no. if it's making sense in a classroom, you know, you yeah. know, that kid over there isn't getting it. Yeah. <laughs> you could just tell. Yeah. The look on their face. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going, I'm heading right over to you. Yep. I'm, I'm staying right beside you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So 25 years and that was my longtime plan was to retire after 25 years. And uh, I mean, I, I could still be there, but I knew that I wanted to do other things with my life. And I cultivated those things over the course of several years. And I thought, well, if I keep doing this and I don't retire until much, much older, I won't get to do the other things that I have a strong interest in. And I tried to, you know, it was one of the conversations I often had with my students, you know, be interested in a million things, be committed to one or two. Right. Right. That's great. So, and I was like, if I continue to be committed to this, this career, I will not get to the other interests. So my, in my 24th year, I was given, and you know, that every now and again, you just get that class of students that yes. will, I'm going to say it, grow your patience yes. <laughs> beyond what you thought was possible. And yeah. you're like, what happened the year these children were born? I know. You're wondering, that right? Was such a- like, the water, like who? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea, right? That was such a positive reframing though. Right. Because I thought you <laughs> were going to say challenging. Oh, but that's what I I love the way you reframe that. Because (laughs) I they're human beings who are just on their way, and some of them are just a little farther back. You gotta bring them with you, you know? But I I just they were just a cast of characters, and I thought, well, that's okay, because they're gonna get to eighth grade, because you know, seventh grade, range of the strange, you know, they're all (laughs) over that. You don't know, you don't know. You know, some are playing with Legos and like some are doing right. activities that grown up bodies, yeah, children's minds, yeah, all yeah. The hormones. So you don't oh, know. Yeah. But then you know, you get to eighth grade and you're trying to prepare them for high school, trying to you know get them ready. 
So uh, anyway, I had this, I had this group, they were a challenge and I thought that's okay. Cause everybody, every seventh grade teacher will be like, this is the worst class ever. And you get them and you're like, oh, not that bad. I don't know what you're talking about. And I, you know, they mature a little, whatever, but those seventh grade teachers that year, they were absolutely on the mark. And I thought, well, that's okay. We'll work with them. We'll, we'll see growth. And by the time this year ends, they'll be ready for high school. They'll be mature, much more mature. And by January, none of that was true. So I took some, you know, took a moment, a free moment in school, imagine that. And I sat and I said to myself, what am I doing here? Like I get up every morning at 4.30, I work out so that my I can manage my stress. I come in here and I leave here with pain in my shoulders. I... I'm down on myself because I feel like I'm not impacting, making any change, making any progress. They're no better in January than they were in September. What, like, what is the point? What am I doing? And it's really hard to show up every day if you don't think you're affecting some change when you're in education. So I said, well, this is, you know, they are who they are and I'm not going to change that. So the only thing I can change is myself. We, We all know these things, right? And when you're in the grind, you got to reflect a little bit. I said, all right, I got to change what I'm doing. So I went home. It was a Friday. I went home. And over the weekend, I said, what did I learn in eighth grade science? I had a really nice teacher, nice guy. I could not attribute any scientific fact that, oh, I learned that from him like that. And I thought, okay, so that's not what I got to worry about. Like I'm trying to teach them physics, but if they don't, memorize Newton's laws, they're probably still going to be okay. And they're going to be functioning. In the <laughs> They'll be definitely okay. Like, gravity will still affect them. They can still hammer in a nail. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, <laughs> brush their teeth, all the things, right. They're fine. So I said, okay, when they leave here, really, what are the signs of maturity that I want them to, that I want to see them leave here with? And I just started writing down a list and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in on Monday and I'm going to talk about this first most important topic for me, which was really like the power of your thoughts and how what you think really sets the stage for everything that happens after that. And I said, how, you know, how am I going to do that? And I, I had a guided meditation, two minutes long, super short. And then I just talked to them how see how your eyes were closed. It was just your thoughts and you feel so much differently after two minutes than you did um, before I even started doing this lesson. And they could tell that I was very serious about this. It was, I took the stool out. I sat down in front. We're clearing our desks. I want nothing in front of you. I want no distractions, you know, and I had their attention. And I thought to myself, really first period, I'm doing this first period on a Monday when they are half asleep. And my big risk was I could fall on my face or at least I'll get this out of my system. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I did this lesson and I did it every single period throughout the day. And by the end of the day, I had teachers coming to my room, whatever you did in your class today, they were talking about it in the locker room. They were talking, you know, the, the cafeteria aide was like, um, that's all they were talking about in the lunchroom. Like, really? And the other teachers were like, yeah, I could barely get stuff done because all they were talking about was the meditation in your class. And I thought, wow, 
that's something, you know? And it was, I instantaneously saw a change in them because all I did was increase their self-awareness. Huge. Mm -hmm. So huge. Cause they were, I mean, part of the character of the class was they were immature and with that immaturity, they were experimenting with things they shouldn't have been experimenting with. And the struggle for me was I'm trying to get you to work to your potential. And their goal was I'm trying to do as little as humanly possible and still pass. Right. So, you know, like the boulder uphill, you know, that was kind of the scenario. And so uh, after that, you know, it was like one week, I, I, they were literally more polite from that day forward. And I started doing these once a week. I was like, I'm going to do this on Monday. I got to the point where I enjoyed going to work on Monday because I knew that my day was going to be fantastic. It didn't matter what topic I brought up. It was something they needed to hear. We talked about excellence. Like, what is excellence? Excellence is not everybody gets a trophy. And we talked about gratitude, big one, because they, you know, they, they're, they can be sort of, sort of entitled as teenagers. We've probably right. all run into that. If you had to had the opportunity to parent a teenage child, they are, yes. you know, wrapped up in their own. They're so self-absorbed and very entitled. And suddenly it was like, well, if you are grateful for something, are you expressing it? And, I, you know, not like the blanket thing, but like the specific thank you for going food shopping and filling the refrigerator with my, with food because I know it's expensive. I know it took time, right? The refrigerator fairy doesn't come in and do that for you. And, you know, being really specific about it. And that, you know, that was like my homework assignment. I never graded anything. They, I'd ask them to write things down, never graded anything. Every student in my class, even if they weren't going to do my science homework, <laughs> they took that pen and paper and they answered every question I ever posed to them. And you could see the wheels turning. They were, because it was about them. They were, they, you don't have to look up an answer. There's no right answer. There's just your answer. Just like write it down. Like we're going to go through that. And one week, we had off on a Monday and I, I can't remember, you know, there's like those odd Mondays, there's holidays, holidays right. right. And so I was like, well, there's no mindful Monday this week. Let's see what happens. You know, I showed up on Tuesday and they were like, aren't we doing mindful Monday? And I said, well, it's Tuesday. It's not Monday. <laughs> I was like, well, it's Tuesday. You guys want this? And they're like, yeah. Oh, okay. And I was kind of like, this is kind of cool. Teenagers are teenagers who are hard to engage are connecting with this and getting obviously getting something out of it and asking me for more. And they became more polite, more mature, more engaged. And the rest, and, and, you know, part of me was, will I still get through teaching all the things that, you know, I'm actually getting paid to teach, <laughs> I, you know, and um, I not only got through it, I got through it with less disruption. I got through it just it was such a smoother trail for me. And other teachers would say, you know, you, we, we worked on teams. So you had this, like the core subjects, we all had the same students that we shared for parent conferencing and whatnot. And they would say, Oh, you know, this one, I was constantly interrupting or this one is never doing their work. And so, you know, we would express these uh, concerns at team meeting and I would say, I don't have that problem with them. 
like they're fine. And I could literally say to a kid, and I did say to a kid, you know, so-and-so came to me and they said that they did not have complimentary things to say about you. You're rude in their class and you're disrespectful and you are, you know, you're interrupting and you, you think it's your, like the world is your stage over there. Like, I just want you to know she's happy to see the back of you every day. And he turned it around in that class. He was like, oh, this affects somebody. This aggravates somebody. And maybe I should not be the cause of that aggravation. Listening to you talk, I feel like you hit on a need that they were missing and that probably many students are missing. And it's just that, you know, that emotional need that reaching them on a personal level, rather than just shoving another assignment at them and giving them one more task to complete, you know, you were really getting them in tune with themselves and their emotions in a world where we often don't take time for that. You know what? That's exactly right. And I, I re and I've watched that, you know, over each year, there's like the new struggle and you see the deterioration of something else. And I think with the onset of like Instagram and TikTok and all these things, they compare themselves, they're distracted, their attention span just because they're constantly just scrolling through a feed. Right. And the things that, I mean, what do you need to be successful? You need to be able to focus on something, right? You need to and be able need to, to persevere in a task. And they're not, that's not what they are giving themselves a daily diet of. You also need to feel like you're part of a community. And, you know, what you just said you know, for me, you know, I had 28 years in the classroom and I, I did many things over those years. But you, you talked about them scrolling through a feed, but also school kind of becomes that. They're scrolling through the feed of the day and they're with this teacher, then that teacher, then this teacher. They're just being passed from teacher to teacher. And, and they don't get to, you know, have that connection. You know, I think back to when I was an elementary teacher with my own homeroom, you know, and I had my homeroom all day long and it was just my kids and they would go to special, but then they came back to me, you know, after art or whatever. And we developed that classroom community. That was my strength. You know, they felt like they were something special in my classroom all the time. And, you know, I remember other teachers saying, you always get the best class. Why do you? And I'm like, you think I got the best class? <laughs> I, built that. I built the best class, right? You know, they were convinced they were the best class. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, they, they were not the best class. They were but the same as everybody else. They were. And they felt like they were part of something. That's the key. And we have gotten to the point, you know, I watched it happen in education. When I left, people became more and more specialized as test scores became so important. They started doing it in fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, even the kids would go to this teacher for science and this teacher for, and, and they would lose that connection. They had their stuff in a bag and they carried it around and they didn't have a place that was theirs. And I think we've done a great disservice to them by changing, you know, instead of all this constant moving them around, they need to be with a person who, who loves them. I mean, they felt like you loved them and cared about them and cared about them as more than just what are you doing on science? It wasn't just what do you get on your science test? Yeah, because that I was like, you know, the kids who were super grade focused, I'd be like, if you want me to take everything you do and condense it down to like a two digit number, like I can do that. But I don't that's not really what I see here. You know, like, let's look at all the things that you're bringing to the table, not just like, oh, it boils down to this. Boom, write it down and move on. But and I will tell you, because you're talking about community, I would watch them because, of course, 
as they're coming into your class, you're standing near your door. They would come in and I could just watch their shoulders that were up in their ears. They would just drop. They felt safe. Exhale, sit down. And they, they just knew, you know, I wasn't like, I, I, I was never one to raise my voice. There was no like pressure, you know, I mean, I was already like, let's face it, I'm teaching physics and chemistry. If that's not pressure enough, like, I don't need to <laughs> add anything to this, you know, like, I was kind of like, let's, we're all in this boat together. Let's, you know, let's let it float. Let's not, uh, let's not, you know, shoot holes in it. It's really funny to me listening to you talk. I just went through my 12 years of, you know, public school education. I can really think back to four teachers who made a big difference and impact on my life. And when I think about them, I think about Mr. Beltram in ninth grade, who I skipped his class. And rather than turning me into the office, he came and hunted me down. And he sat me down and he said, why were you not in my class? What were you doing? What's going on? Well, I was upset about something. So I went and sat on the track. And he talked to me about it. And, you know, I feel like he could have sent me to the office and wrote me up for, you know, skipping class. But I had no connection to the vice principal of the high school, you know, other than getting in trouble. How would that have impacted me? And him sitting down and talking to me and connecting with me was way more impactful. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to miss his class again because I will disappoint him. And we now had that bond that I would have never formed with the vice principal. And I would have never formed with him if he turned me in because I would have just been mad at him. (laughs) Right. And the the trust, right? The trust. He came, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, I would do these little Monday 15 minute mini lessons on these topics. And just about every week, one or two of my students, they would fumble with their, it's the end of class and they've got to move on to, you know, the next period. And they would fumble with their belongings and drop things. And they'd say to their friend, I'll be there in a minute. I just got to get my stuff. And they were really just lingering because they wanted to tell me the story they wanted to share. You know, like, oh, the the riff in their family and the grudge that their father has with the other one. And they haven't spoken for 10 years. And now I know why, because we had this conversation today. Oh, you know, like, you're going to have... And, then they'd say, I'm going to go home and have that conversation. And the next day they'd say, I talked to my dad about that. That's, like, that's powerful. Whoa. Yes. Huge. Yeah. Wow. So how do you convince, you know, a, an administration of a school that this is valuable, w- worth taking up valuable class time? Because I'm telling you, when I left, it's it's been a few years now, but it was, it was pre-pandemic. But, mm. you know, there there was not the space to make time for what? you know, these types of things, you know, you had to be on that hamster wheel of academics and rigor. That was the buzzword that I left under rigor. I wanted to punch rigor in the face, but (laughs) how is rigor five letters? Isn't that a four letter word? Yeah. That's Um, ridiculous. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you this. I, I started this and I right out the gate, I said to my, uh, both of my assistant principals, I said it to my principal, I said it to the head of guidance and the guidance counselor who had eighth grade at that time. And I was like, any Monday come in, you can observe, but you got to be there like at the bell because door closes and boom, like we're on it. There is no dilly dallying on a Monday. And I'd say, you can come in, you can observe this. The guidance counselor, she was awesome. She came a bunch of times 
And she could then say, well, didn't Mrs. Larson talk to you about that? You know, the assistant principal, he came several times. He was like, this is great. And my principal, unknowingly, he came to observe me on a first period Monday morning. And I was like, that's a bold move. All right. (laughs) Right. All right. The only thing worse is last period before Christmas break. I've been observed (laughs) then too. I'm like, what are you? Are you kidding? (laughs) I had last period on Halloween once. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're doing a lab. So yeah, you know, she was like, I cannot believe how well behaved they are. I'm like, they, there's no other option. Like there's science equipment. There's fire here. Like, but he came on a Monday morning, observed this. Of course you wait for your evaluation. And I thought, oh, I might get hammered for this. I don't know. And he was like, that was great. Everybody was listening. You should do more of that. And I go, you know, they, I said, I do it every Monday. You can come every Monday. You are more than welcome. You're invited, you know? And, uh, and I was like, they do pay me to teach science. Like I get it, but this 15 minute investment of my time, I didn't see it as time spent on a lesson. It was like, this is invested. The rest of the period went phenomenal. And then throughout the week, it went great. We got to the point where we had like a shared language because we had done these little lessons. And honestly, my goal was to do it for 10 weeks. And at the 10 week mark, I was like, well, you know, that was my plan, guys. What do you think? And they were like, oh, no, we want this every Monday. So I finished out the year. And then the next year, I said, well, why wait till January? I'm just going to do it. And I did it all year. The kids loved it. I told them somewhere around November, you know, when you get like that, that aha moment. And I like a voice in my head said, this is a book. Oh yeah. So that's where, that's where this came. You're like, I got to write this down. I got to write this down because I'm like off the cuff. Like I had a little pile of sticky notes with like, "Eh, I'll talk about this or that. And, um, you know, and then you hone it. Like as the day goes on, you add things and you edit out things and whatever. And I said, Oh my gosh, this is a book because this is so helpful to me as an educator. I am investing time and getting 10 times my return for it. It's helping them be better teenagers. Like who hears better teenagers in a sentence? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's helping them. It's helping me. And these are life skills, life skills, gratitude, right? How to let go of grudges, how to, you know, check your own behavior and, and look at your motives for why you're doing things, how, you know, defining your standards so that you hold yourself on track to them. Because if you say, I never lie, right? Somebody else lies to you and and all of a sudden you're offended, right? You ever lie or you never lie? So is it offensive to you because they lied to you? <laughs> or are your standards the same? Just you don't like it when they are applied in reverse. Right. So you know, like just going through these lessons, they were so, they were so engaged. And when I say I had some kids who were, you know, coming from a rough household, maybe didn't get a whole lot of guidance. And they, I could then have conversations about them. Like, where do you see yourself in the future? And and they're like, I can't even think about those things. Okay. Well, it's going to happen. Right. So where do you see yourself? And, and they would just, all of a sudden be like, yeah, I better better get a plan together. (laughs) 
So yeah, it was you great. You might've been the first person to ever ask them that. Yeah. Well, and it, it used to, I'm going to say irk me because there's certainly stronger words, but when teachers were like, that one is going to amount to nothing. I was like, Oh no, 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 you can't, you can't even hold that thought because they will all, you know, I have to know that they're going to be fine. They're going to work through whatever it is. And, you know, I'd sit there and say to myself, I don't unrealistically believe that every kid that I teach is going to grow up to be a physicist. Like that's not a thing that's going to happen. If, if they're not doing well in my class and they're struggling, they might become a poet. They might like write creative writing. They might be an artist. I don't know, but they all have the potential to. There's be- so many measures of success. It doesn't always mean a fancy title and, uh, you know, and a lot of money. your job. Exactly. Or six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the name of your book? So the book is called The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. And who is the, is this a book written for the teens? Like a teen can pick it up and use it or would a parent work through it with the teen? So the original book, so I'll tell you now, I have a few books on the bookshelf, but the original was, these are the lessons written, edited, you know, as presented to kids, along with the follow-up questions, you know, there was always like a story and like some thoughtful things that I, you know, okay, so now apply this to your life. And so the first book is that. Then, and it's really about taking the time to write it out and think about it Mm -hmm. and slow down. This would be a book teachers could use with, with their class like you did. Yes. I think parents could also read this it is hugely packed with conversation starters. The conversations you should be having with your kids that are sometimes like awkward, like where's the segue to start talking about gratitude or where's the, you know, those kinds of things. Then uh, I was encouraged to make this an ebook, which I really did not want to do because I was like, no, no, the value is in the slowing down and the writing. Right. You know? Like, the, right the thoughtful journaling of your ideas and intentions. So I made the ebook. It now has a companion journal that has all the same spaces as the original book. Now my latest version is the teacher's edition. So I have 30 chapters and the goal was this will get you through a school year. You're going to start out for a couple of weeks. You're kind of just letting everybody fall back into a routine the last couple of weeks are usually mayhem anyway. And then there's like testing week. And, right. You know, it's just like the, you know, <laughs> which, yeah. So it was like 30 weeks. It really will run the gamut of your year. And it's all different topics. But for the teacher's edition, what I did is it's essentially the same exact lessons that you would give students. And then there is a whole class activity. So if you know, you do this and they're independently writing. You're never going to read what they write. They're only going to share it with you privately. But in the teacher's edition, after that, on each topic, there is a lesson you could do with the entire class that never forces a kid to divulge any personal information. So, but it lets them work through it without having to feel like they're required to well, it, share. It, 
I want to say it like broadens the topic. So like one of the chapters, I'll give you an example. One of the chapters is about excellence. And, you know, so you were going to have your own thoughts and, and answers to the questions about excellence. But then the class activity that's in the teacher's edition is you take your board, draw a line down the middle and you write never on one side and always on the other. And you at, you give the kids either like post-it notes or tape with a piece of paper what is something that an excellent, any excellent person, anybody, you think your mom is excellent, you think your neighbor is excellent, you think a celebrity or a, a sports figure is excellent, what is something they never do? And then what is something they always do? And stick it up on the board. And now you've got a conversation. I have divulged nothing personal. This is what I think excellence is, right? So all they've done is they've, they've decided for themselves, what is a trait of excellence? They never do this. They always do this. They never complain about a problem. They always try to solve it. Like, you know, whatever. And now you can have this whole conversation about excellence. And then down the road, okay, we're going to have a day of excellence. So that means based on their own answers, right? These are the things they've come up with. These are the things I want from you today. So we've got a lot of parents listening, a lot of a lot of parents. I know we have some teachers listening too, but we have a lot of parents listening. What would you tell parents to do who who really they're like, okay, I want to start making space for these conversations, you know, in, in the family, you know, with with my kids, all of us together. How would you encourage them to begin? My feeling about this with parents, because I've heard from educators and I've heard from parents as well. They've, you know, they've reached out to me, sent me emails, and uh, I've had conversations with some. They, the parents are like, wow, I could give this to my 21 year old. Right. But my advice for a parent is read this because there are certain chapters your kid already has a handle on. Right. And there are some that are like, wow, they could really use this. So pick and choose based on your kid. Pick and choose. But could this be like a dinnertime conversation type thing? You've got, you know, two kids at the table and you broach a subject while you're eating. Yep. Because most of the most of the chapters start with a story. And so there's the story. Or as soon as you start, you know, you read the chapter. Oh, this chapter is all about, you know, whatever, judging people right by their outward appearance. And like you just it gives you a segue into having that conversation because it is hard. They don't, they don't always organically appear those topics right in your, at your, at your dinner table. But I think it's, it's a great resource for parents because now it's like, Oh, these are the conversations I should be having. Like this has impact and it's written, you know, I mean, I stayed in my lane, right. I taught teenagers. So I did not write this for, Second graders, I did not write this for college kids. I was like, nope, you know, grades seven through 10 or 11, this is, you know, this is my expertise here. But it's presented in a way where they get it and they relate to it. And it's that's so important. And it's simultaneously like timeless. Right. And, you know, this would be just like you did, you know, Mindful Monday. The, the parents could pick a day of the week when they're less busy as a family and that could be their family routine. Like, all right, it's, you know, 
I'm trying to think Maybe of something that, right, that goes with Wednesday, evening, but I could but, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. yeah, we had like thoughtful Thursday. Like, right. you know, the kids would come up with it. Well, can we do this on Monday? And then on Tuesday, we'll call it this. And I'll, we'll do, they wanted to do it like five days a week. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Um, yeah, that was a lot. But I think they are really important conversations. And a lot of times as parents, right, I'm a parent of two grown children. Thankfully, that part of my life is has successfully gone. Past. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work. Um, it is. And I th- a lot of stress. I, I think it's hard. I mean, I do. I think it's harder now. There's just more things for your kids to be distracted with. There's more things for your kids to get in trouble with. Oh, so many ways for, for them sure. to like, and they're documenting it on camera and I sending know, it to people. I'm like, that. really? <laughs> and that's why, I mean, and that's the book, the power of choice. And, and it came about because my students were like, you know, they would, they would say things and I'd be like, well, everything's a choice, you know, <laughs> you know, and they were like, so what you're saying is you don't want me to do that. I'm saying everything's a choice. And then they'd be like, all right, I'm going to choose wisely here. Good, uh, good option. Thank you for exercising that, you know, but I think it really, and the part for me is like, this helps them define their personal success because, you know, you have two or three kids in a family. One of them thinks personal success is having a high ranking job and a lot of status and a lot of, you know, toys, they, they've got a boat and a big house and a blah, 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 blah. And that's their success. And another one says, Oh, if I could just like have a family and a nice little house and a quiet neighborhood and like have a peaceful existence and a job that doesn't, you know, I don't have to trade my soul for money. Right. Like then my life is a success because I will be happy. Right. And so this kind of helps them get on that path because they're going to high school where, you know, a lot of decisions were ma- are going to be made. What's your trajectory? Where are you going? You know, wh- what are you going to study in college? What, what comes next for you? You know, you're kind of setting the stage for it. And what do you love and what are you good at? And how do you, you know, keep the passion for that and make that part of your life going forward? Does it become a hobby or can you make a career out of it? Or, you know, but they don't think about that. They're so busy comparing themselves to somebody else's Instagram feed that they don't, they think they want what they want because the kid next to them has it. Like, oh, I, I, you know, they have that. Therefore I should want that. Do you want that? Why? And we're also exactly. asking them to make so many decisions about their lives before they're ready. I've got a, a 21-year-old son. He'll be 22 in September. And he he's struggling with, with trying to figure out, you know, what he wants to do with his life. But we were just talking the other day about how college is not the right path for everyone, especially at that age. That's right. And he said his friends are now a graduate. He dropped out and is is figuring out what he wants to do instead of emerging with a lot of debt and still not knowing what he wants to mm-hmm. do he just quit and is figuring out what he wants to do or going you know, by- going down a miserable road right like I, right. I know these people who like i've already invested 3 years of college into this career i really don't think i want to do this right. but i've only got 1 year left and then they're going to do it for the next 30 years and right. they're like what hello like it's okay. Just change lanes. Take a break. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah. Find out who and you are. And that's yeah. what this, that's what these little chapters are all about. So when somebody came to me and said, 
I, you know, she has a 21 year old son. He was home, you know, everybody was home. So, uh, you know, during the pandemic. So she's reading this and she gave it to him and said, I just want you to read this chapter. And he said to her, Oh, I like this. Can I get a copy of this? And like, she bought it for him. For That's awesome. That's great. And it was, and he was kind of in the same boat. Like, uh, I do, I love my college major. Am I going on the right path? And like, you know, it's great to get that clarity. We're so busy. I mean, two things, right? You go from class to class to class to class when you're in school. You know, how do you maintain any focus? And then I think a lot of their days are very overscheduled. Oh, definitely. You know, you go into sports practice or music lesson or ballet or whatever. Every minute is accounted for. Well, and not even just overscheduled. I think the whole world is overstimulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but, and I will say, uh, having listened to one of your earlier guests, I think the fear of a lot of parents, if I don't schedule their time, they'll get into some shenanigans that I, I don't want them to be getting into if I don't account for every one of their minutes, because there are so many shenanigans that they can. There really mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Well, Claude, we are, we are running out of time. Tell listeners how to find you, how to find your work. Okay. So well, my my website is LLC.com. So I'm sure you guys will put that in the show notes. We will. Yes. And uh, you can see testimonials. You can see links to my book. My book is on Amazon right now. So it seemed to be like the easiest path of least resistance, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can find the book on Amazon, all versions of it, whether you want the ebook, the journal, the original, or the teacher's edition. So all of that is there. Should you be a maybe a PTA parent or an educator or a youth leader, like I'm currently involved with Youth Corps, which is kids who've dropped out and have decided maybe I should go get that high school diploma. Um, these kinds of organizations, if they reach out to me through my website, I have a contact button there. They send me an email. I can get bulk copies from my, uh, I have a separate printer company that sends out bulk copies and it's discounted for bulk mailings so that, you know, Amazon, I, I don't think Jeff Bezos needs any more money. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just read today he's building a super mega it. yacht. Like so. if, I can, if I can save you the royalties and just get this right. print version, yeah. like I'm all about, I'm just all about helping. You know, this is kind of, I'm an educator by career. I'm an educator by choice. I continue to want to educate and help. And this book is really like my service to my, my colleagues, you know, past and present and future. And it's you know, I'm hoping that parents connect with this, see the value in it and have these conversations with their kids. It's it's a rare kid who's going to say, like, I want this and they're going to work on it on their own without somebody introducing it to them. And maybe, you know, let's go through this process together. Let's both. Right. Read, you know, like a parent and a child. Let's both read chapter one. Well, what did you get out of that? And there you can have you start, you know, cracking open the door to those conversations. I love it. I love it. Well, thank oh, you so much for being here today. Oh, did you have something? Thing. I'm also, I'm on Instagram at the power of choice for success. That is the name for that Instagram link. So you can find me on Instagram. 
I decided I can do one platform well. I don't want to do 10 of them. I get it. Terrible. That's, yeah. And plus, I think kids are more likely to go to Instagram. <laughs> I think you're right. Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And I think there's a lot of valuable takeaways. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Dry Farm Wines. It wasn't until I started intermittent fasting and really got in tune with my body and just how certain foods and drinks affected me that I noticed that most red wines, which I loved, made my nose stuffy and I woke up the next morning with puffy eyes and a face. So a couple of years ago, I gave up red wine as an experiment to see if it helped. And sure enough, every time I would have a glass of red wine, that would happen again. So why are dry farm wines different? Well, for starters, did you know that most wines sold today are mass produced and they contain high levels of sugar, alcohol, and 76 different FDA approved additives? Dry farm wines are different because they have strict criteria when it comes to how their wines are farmed and produced. If you want to learn more about dry farm wines, you can listen to episode 114 of the Intermittent Fasting Stories. Jen interviewed the founder of dry farm wines. His name is Todd White. And he's an intermittent faster. Yes. <laughs> we are thrilled that we are partnering up with uh, that they are partnering up with us here for the Life Lessons podcast. And if you want to try them out, go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash life lessons, and you'll get an additional bottle for just one penny in your first shipment. Make sure to use the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash life lessons to get the penny bottle with your first order. You can get one shipment to try or sign up for regular shipments in an interval that works best for you. It is easy to skip shipments or even add extra shipments at any time. And every time you purchase, you help support the Life Lessons podcast. And I just want to say that when I have had well, funny story in Alabama, you couldn't have wine shipped to you. So I've not been able to get dry farm wines until this year when they just changed the law in Alabama. And now we can have wine delivery. But when I was at Jen's, she would share her red wine with me. And I, it was amazing. I didn't get stuffy. I didn't get that sinus pressure. I didn't have a bloated, puffy face the next day. It just tastes clean. It's so and, different. Yeah. You feel so much different and you don't have that froggy, heavy head feeling the next day. So, and, and, you know, you get used to, it's different when you first try it, you're used to those, those bold flavors of the commercial wines that we've been drinking that are, they're like thick and almost syrupy. Exactly. They're very heavy, regular wines. And then you try dry farm wines and it's a whole different experience. And at first you might be like, what? I, but then you adjust to it. Uh -huh. And and then you try to go back to another one and you're like, uh, -uh I can't drink this. Like I cannot, will not drink red wine that is not dry farm wines. Right. Ever. The first I, thing I, I noticed, it has a whole different mouthfeel and it it's does. hard to explain, but it doesn't, it's more, I don't even know how to, you know, it's more like you're drinking water. It has that it's like crisper. light, crisp mm -hmm texture on your but tongue. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's like, it does feel different in it your mouth. It does feel yeah. different. That was the first thing I noticed. <laughs> yes. She handed me in a, a glass good way. and I was in like, good this, this is really different, but it, it really is. It's good. It's really delicious wine when you want to, you know, enjoy a bottle with a friend or. And Chad loves it too. And he's, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. He's very economical. Yes. Can I just say it like that? Everybody <laughs> read between the lines. <laughs> He's very economical when it comes to choices, but he is willing to pay for dry farm wines because it 
it, he he's realized it's much better too. He'll he'll drink red wine at somebody else's house. That's fine, but at home, but he'll open a bottle for the red wine and it'll last for a long time because he has like these tiny little <laughs> <laughs> tiny little bit. Anyway, it's it's worth it. All right. So next we have a segment we call our listener led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's listener led lesson comes from Patty in Colorado. She says, have you ever had an issue with hotel curtains that just won't completely close in the center? That annoying little gap can be closed by taking the hanger meant to hang pants and clipping the curtains closed with it. I love that. Great tip. I have a little life tip. Can I share mine real quick? It's just a short one. I made like the best lasagna ever. The other day I had, my mom was in town visiting from Virginia and we had people over and you know, if, if everybody's ever made lasagna and you have to boil the noodles and that's a big pain, uh-huh. well, I made them with regular lasagna noodles, but you don't boil them ahead of time. And you assemble the lasagna, put it in the fridge and let it sit there for a couple of days. That might sound crazy. Uh-huh. And it's not those special kind that say you don't have to boil right. them. These are just regular noodles. So they don't turn out mushy. They're perfect. That is a great tip. But make the lasagna ahead of time. Let it sit there for at least 24 hours. And you don't have to boil the noodles first. That was just fresh on my mind. Or maybe everybody already knows that tip. That's a great tip. I don't know. No, I've never heard that. But I always think pasta like that's better the next day or two days later. Like the flavors meld together. Oh, it was so good. This is the best lasagna I've ever made. You're making me hungry, Jen. It was so good. I made the sauce from scratch. It was fabulous. (laughs) You might have to send me that recipe. All right, I could do it. Hey, we actually have a new uh, page on our website that is all oh, for is recipes. It? Tell people how to find it. Well, we have shared so many recipes over the different episodes that I just made a page. It's lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash recipes. And Lori McDonald short shared a great tortellini soup recipe on the uh, herbs episode. So that's on there as well as recipes from our Christmas episode. So... Yeah, go ahead. Anytime you want to share like a recipe as, you know, a recommendation for something that everybody needs to know, tell us about it. Like Jen just did her lasagna and we can add that recipe to our website. Well, I'll see if I can find the recipe that I made and send it to you. It was called like the best make ahead lasagna because I wanted to make it ahead because, you know, here's another life tip. If you're having people over for dinner the last thing you want to be doing is scrambling around and messing up your kitchen before they go. So I had everything ready the day before. And all I had to do that day was set the table. That was it, you know, and put ice in the glasses. Right. I had the lasagna made. I just had to bake it. I had, you know, a salad ready. I just had to throw it, you know, in the bowl. And so I wasn't making a big mess. And then all the dishes fit. And we had eight people or no, seven people at dinner. And I just had to put the dishes from dinner and it fit in the dishwasher, one dishwasher load. So anyway, I'll give you this recipe. Sounds good. So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from another educator, Connie in Alabama. And I love to read this. I love connections. She wrote, first of all, I'd like to say thanks to you ladies for your great podcast. I've listened to every episode and look forward to it every week. I live in Alabama and my first teaching job was at the elementary school where Sherry lives. And funny story, my husband went to grade school there and we used to rent a house right behind it. So I know exactly where she used to work. I'm a retired high school principal and school superintendent. So I feel a real connection to both of you. My contribution has to do with the power of positivity. I have a piece displayed in my home that says, 
Impossible is an opinion, not a fact. I always taught my children and now grandchildren that you should never say something is impossible until you have given it your very best shot. If they ever said, I can't, as in I can't run five miles or I can't read a book that long, they must add a yet to the end of the sentence. Saying I can't run five miles yet lets everybody know that you will be able to do it in the future. Thank you again for making a positive difference in my life. And thank you, Connie, for reaching out. I really enjoyed your email. Oh, that is great. And it fits really well with what we talked about today. It sure did. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Make sure to join the Life Lessons Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, That way you'll get it every week when it comes out, just delivered straight to you with nothing on your part to do except to listen. And we'd love for you to leave a review on iTunes so that that helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest? Or you can even recommend a guest. We have sometimes people do that. They'll recommend someone they think would make a great guest. So email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. And then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.